0: Come on, let's give God one more praise, whether you're online or here in the house. Get so fired up seeing that. It never gets old to me. I mean, every time I see this video, I choke up because I know these people's stories. And I know that God transformed them, that the person you see today is not the same person. Because of Christ, they have been redeemed, and they are transformed, and they are new. And that's something worth celebrating every time. Amen? Amen. Amen. So good. I'm just so excited to be there, be here with you guys, whether you're online. And I see some of you guys. Hey, Kendra. Hey, Ann. I mean, we just we just love that you're with us today, uh, tuning in. And those of you who are here with us, I see some new faces. I see some, some people that haven't been here in a while. Welcome to Grace Church. It's such a good time to be together. I love kicking off our weeks when we come together and, and worship God. I mean, man, you guys... Have really just excelled and just going beyond the ceiling. I believe that when we were praising God and declaring His goodness, no matter where you stand today, I believe that there was something that happened. There was a transformation that occurred. Your faith rose up, and I believe that heaven was touched by your praise. That's that's how it is, right? When we come and we praise God, and heaven is at attention. They're listening and they're receiving these praises. So let's continue in this posture. Let's continue in allowing heaven to rain down. Heaven. To speak to our hearts, because I believe that God has a message for every one of us. Whether you're online or you're here in person, I believe that God has a message for us. So let's get our hearts ready. Let's get our hearts prepared as we read the word today. As we unpack the word today, let's have a, a soft heart for what God wants to do. Can we do that? Let's open our hearts right now through a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the gathering. Let us never forsake the gathering. Let us never take for granted the gathering because you said if two or three are together in my name, I am with them and there's a special presence whether they're online or here in person, God. But we sense your presence. And so we're allowing you, Father, to work through our hearts. Let your word be planted deep, Lord God, that it changes us and transforms us. God, I thank you for this time. God, we allow you to have your way in us. And all of us said? Amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, if you're new here, or you just jumped in today, we are in the middle of a series that we're doing through the book of Jonah, through the book of Jonah. And um, I know that many of us who've been around church, we've heard this story many times. We, we probably heard it as a kid, and we kind of get this cartoon image of Jonah, and it was Jonah and the whale. You know, I really didn't say it was a whale, but that's how we all think of it, right? Because it had to be a big enough fish to swallow a man whole, that's kind of scary for a kid. I don't know why we give kids these stories because that would have freaked me out to hear that as a kid. But Jonah and this fish, and, and we always think about that, but I want to tell you that it's not about the fish. Even though that we think of it that way, but it's something bigger than that. It's about God, or it's about the God of mercy. Jonah encountering God's mercy. Now, Today, uh, as we're kind of in the middle of this, this, ch- this book, we're kind of coming into the last part of this story. And this is the part that most people are not familiar with. They know about the fish. They know about him getting swallowed up. They know about him learning a lesson in the belly of the fish. But they don't always know what happens after. And so today, we're going to tackle that. We're going to dive into that. But the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about some, some things that stood out to us, some themes that came out. And one of the themes is obedience learning to be obedient towards God. We also learned last week what it meant to have a heart of repentance, and we see that Jonah in the belly of the fish, he, 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 he opened his heart even though he was in the, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, just like we sang earlier. We learn that it was in that place that God got a hold of his heart, and that he repented of his ways, and he allowed God to work through the depths of his heart, even though he was in a place that was, that was, that was dark and, and, and dangerous, and he didn't know what was next. He just trusted God that God was where, there with him. How many you know that God will never leave us nor forsake us? And that's what we see in this, in, in this moment of his life. But though there's sub-themes in this, in this book in every chapter, there's also a grand theme over it all, an overarching theme. And like I mentioned earlier, it is the extent of God's mercy. How far does God's mercy go? Have we experienced that? Have we experienced God's mercy in such a way that that it far extends our comprehension? I think that's really the theme of the story is that God wants us to explore that. God wants us to see that through his word, that that his mercy can far exceed what we can think and we can comprehend. His mercy is that great, friends. His mercy is that great. Well, for those of us who may not be familiar with the story, let me, let me just kind of catch us up to speed here. So we know that, that this story is about this man, this prophet, this man of God. And he is asked by God to go to his greatest enemies, and at the time it was the nation of Assyria. And God called him to go into the heart of their city called Nineveh. But... Jonah decides he doesn't want to obey God's orders to go out and send a message to these people that he despised, that he thought were his enemies. And, and so he, he runs from God. He goes as far away as he can. So he heads on a, gets on a ship and he heads as far as he can go. And at the time, it was a city called Tarshish. And so he goes on this ship and he's sailing away in the opposite direction of where God is sending him, wants to send him. And it's in that time of him running that a storm comes, and the Bible describes this storm as being like a supernatural storm where these sailors and these captains that are people who are familiar with the waters and the open waters and the storms, they are fearful for their lives. They acknowledge that this is not a normal storm. This is something that's caused by the supernatural. Well, Jonah understands that, that he is the cause of this conflict, that, 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 that it's because of him running that there is conflict in his life, and so he convinces these sailors to throw him overboard, and they do, and they throw him overboard. And it's interesting that in this time, instead of obeying God's orders, he rather, he rather risk his life and go into the midst of the depths of the sea. Jonah accepts death. He accepts death, and he just feels like this is it, And the story could have ended there, but it doesn't. We see God extending mercy on this man. God graciously comes and saves his life by sending this giant fish, not for him to ride on. That would have been cool. But a fish to come and swallow him whole. It's crazy, isn't it? When I read the story, every time I read it, I'm just like, this is crazy. This is the crazy way for God to rescue him. But how do you know that sometimes God comes in unpredictable ways? I mean, God should be allowed to do what he wants to do. And in this story, God decides that he's going to save this man by swallowing him whole. Or letting the fish swallow him whole. God's rescue plans don't always come the way we want them to come. Or we can even comprehend. Yet God knew the exact perfect way to get to this man's heart. And that's what he does. This fish was a perfect way to allow this man to understand the depths of God's grace. And we learn that Jonah spends three days in the belly of this fish, three days and three nights. And last week we read through chapter 2, and it's, and it's, it's all about that, that time that he's spending in the belly of this fish, not knowing what's going to happen thinking through of all his choices in his life, and yet it's in that moment that he starts to to praise God in the midst of the storm, praise God in the midst of despair. He knows where his help comes from, and he finds God's grace in the middle of that. And so through this story so far, as we're just getting into two chapters, we learn things about God's mercy. Number one, we learn that in the most likely of places, we can experience God's presence. That's so important for us to know that no matter where we're at, God said that we could experience his presence. It's not just here on a Sunday morning. We also learn that God doesn't stop pursuing us even when we are rebellious and disobedient towards him. I'm so glad that God is long-suffering, that God has patience for us. We also learn that no matter how difficult our circumstances are, God can rescue us and redeem us. That's many of our stories here this morning. So now let's dive into chapter 3. Like I said, this is the part of the, of the book that most people don't read, but, but we want to know what happens. We left off with this fish vomiting him out into the, into the land, which is crazy and gross. I mean, just the image of that, right? What that could have looked like. But we see, okay, what's next? What happens? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jonah, chapter 3 starting in verse 1 he says then the lord the word of the lord came to jonah a second time god didn't give up on this man he says go to the great city of nineveh and proclaim to to it the message that i give you now what we don't always understand unless we dig a little deep in scripture and context and background is that that where the fish spit him out it was hundreds of miles to the city of nineveh so he had a long walk to take a long walk a long journey. Yet he had to put one foot in front of the other and keep going and keep being obedient to God. Every choice, every decision, every movement that he was making, it was just stepping in obedience, not knowing what awaited him in Nineveh. How many of you know that, that sometimes we are asked to do things and we don't always see and know what's going to happen on the other side. All he had was God's word and God's promise, and how many of you know that that's all you need to trust and learn? and grow in your faith, right? And so that's what we see in this man is that he just had God's word that he gave him and God's promise that he would not leave him, that he would empower him, that he would use him. So it says here, he gets, he gets to the place. Listen to this. He says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through. Man, I went to Disneyland a couple years ago and I, didn't, I spent three days there and I didn't get through everything. So I understand <laughs> the problem here. There's a lot going on, but he says as he was going into a day's journey, he proclaimed a message. He proclaimed a message. What did he say? What was his grand message that he came with? What was he prepared? I mean, he had a long walk. I mean, if that was me, I would have had like 10 sermons by then, <laughs> but listen to what he says. He, this is what he proclaims. He's in the city and he yells out and he says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's not a very good sermon, huh? <laughs> but that's the sermon he gives. That's the message he proclaims in the streets of this place called Nineveh, which you know. In week one, I we described what that was like. But listen to this: it says the Ninevites they believed God. Didn't say they believed Jonah, but there was something about Jonah's words. There was a power and anointing behind him that when he proclaimed these words that came from God, it pierced the heart of these hard-hearted people that were full of evil and violence in all their ways. Listen to this. They transformed this, this whole community. It says, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, were putting on sackcloths. And, and what that means is that all of a sudden they got into the state of repentance based on the word that was given. It says, then Jonah... When Jonah, warning, when his warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. This is another remarkable thing that's happening. He took off his robes. He stripped himself of his power and his authority. Imagine that, the most powerful person in this kingdom, in this empire. He strips himself and humbles himself with sackcloth, and he sat down in the dust. And what he's doing here is he's acknowledging that there's a greater authority I mean, this guy was worshiped as the God of that nation. Yet he strips his, his authority, his power, his privilege, everything. And he gets on the floor and he repents and he puts his face towards God. And he proclaims this. He says, by the decree of the kings and the nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals and animals. I think that's crazy. Be covered with sackcloth. Can you imagine animals wearing clothing, right? This book is just so strange. <laughs> I want, can you imagine trying to put a sackcloth on a cow, you know? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but he says, let everyone call urgently on God. I mean, there was a desperation. This was their response to that eight-word sermon. He says, let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And listen to this. Who knows? God may relent with, and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Wow. What a powerful moment. These people that were far from God, as far from God as you could ever imagine. And yet, when God's message came into that community, it spread like wildfire, and it got from the, from the lowest of authority to the highest of authority, and they all responded with a heart of repentance towards what they have done and who they were. And they get before God. And, and what boggles my mind is they were like, perhaps, maybe... God would have mercy on us. We're going to plead, and we're going to pray, and we're going to repent, and we're going to yield ourselves. Just perhaps that God might change his mind. But listen to me. They didn't know God the way Jonah knew God. They didn't know God, and they didn't know his extent of mercy. They didn't know what the Scripture said about God. They were never taught that. They never heard that. And so they're just going on a whim. They're just going and saying, maybe by chance he'll spare us. Yet Jonah knew the God, Yahweh, that he served. He knew that God was faithful. He knew that God was long-suffering. Now, even though these Assyrians, they worshiped their own gods, and they felt inferior over the the people of Israel, they also knew this. They also knew that God was powerful enough, Yahweh was powerful enough to set his people free from the hands of Egypt. They heard the stories about how God blessed the kings of Israel and how they were given land and authority, and even though they seemed like at this point the people of God were weak, they knew that the God of those people was not... But this was proof that God was gracious to them because he was preparing their hearts for this message so that when Jonah got there and his step of obedience, it just was the perfect storm for them to respond. Let's keep reading. It says, says this, this is the last verse of this chapter. It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on to them the destruction that he had threatened. God responded with mercy. God responded with grace. You know, as the Bible through and through tells us about the character of God, the psalmist, King David, he wrote this in Psalms 145, 8 and 9. He says, For the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. That is the God that we serve. That is the God of the Bible. So far, what we've seen, this is an incredible book. I know it's a small little book, but it's, it's action-packed, and it's a power punch, right, when we read through it. We already understand that God was able to redeem jo- Jonah, and now he's able to redeem and restore Nineveh. This shows us that no matter how far we think we are, we always got a chance with God. We always, we always got, a, got, got, got God on our side that's wanting to redeem our lives and rescue us that God will continue to pursue us because he wants to bring us in right relationship with us, with him. Now, usually when we think about this kind of grace, we always think about it in the New Testament with the New Testament uh, goggles, but I'm telling you, this is, this is God through and through. God is always looking and, and has always have a heart for people to come to him. God's heart for people has never changed. So, so, so let's continue going because it could have ended there, but it doesn't. It goes on to say this, and we can turn the page or scroll down to, to the next verse here, chapter 4, verse 1, because what we realize is not everyone is happy with this situation. It says, but Jonah, who seemed very, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I've said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow, another shocker, right? You would think that he would have been rejoicing and celebrating and saying, God, thank you so much for letting me witness this with my own eyes that these people have turned to you repented before you, but yet in his heart, it just gets harder. And he's saying, I would rather die than to see these Assyrians spared." These are harsh words, aren't they? Especially from someone who has been shown so much grace. It reminds me of the parable that Jesus gave us when he talked about this the unforgiving servant, where, where he is, he is uh, pardoned from a million-dollar debt from the king. And immediately as he's pardoned, he goes out into the street, and he chokeholds the guy who owes him a few bucks. That's what that reminds me. I mean, it's so crazy to me that this, this, this man, this prophet, this man of God, he was disgusted by the grace of God. He... Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy that we look at God's grace and we, we, we want to say yes and amen when, it mean, when, it, when it's referred to us, but yet when it's extended to someone else that we hold back. All right? Now, when we start out this book, we just assume that he's running from his assignment because he's scared of his greatest enemies. But what we see here, we see the real heart of of Jonah, and it just gets exposed. But we realize that that his greatest fear is that these guys would be spared, that they would be forgiven, that they would receive the grace that he received. Jonah's biggest fear is that God may forgive them and, and his mercy might extend towards his enemies. He didn't want to see his enemies forgiven. He didn't want to see them prosper. He wanted to see them suffer. He wanted to see them destroyed. I want to tell you, when God sent him out, God could have sent anybody, but he knew that this was living in Jonah's heart. And I believe that God was using this message to get to his heart, and yet he was struggling with it because God knew that it would be a struggle. But see, sometimes when God gives us something, when God wants us to minister to somebody, somebody that we we, we may have a hard time with, sometimes we think that it's for us to bring this message to them and bring them on their knees so that they would come around and see the truth. Part of that is true, but the other part is maybe he wants you to change in the process. And that's what we see here in Jonah. We see that God is trying to get through to him as well. And that's why he used him. And so God responds to him. Not real harshly, but I think with lots of compassion and mercy. So he replies and he says, Is it right for you to be angry? Somebody's trying to call me right now. That's really weird. (laughs) Hopefully they listen. (laughs) Get online. But he says, Are you angry? Jonah doesn't answer. Have we done that to God? God's speaking directly to us. Trying to get to the heart of the matter, and yet, like a kid, he just pouts and turns, and, and he ends up going out to the outside of the city. He goes up on a hill overlooking the city, and he waits there. This reminds me of many times where, where, I've had my own little pity parties. God's pushing me, push pressing on me a certain way, and I just I just want to feel sorry for myself. It's almost like when 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 somebody uh, th- there's a conflict with me and someone, and, and God says you need to you need to accept their forgiveness. Sometimes I just want to let them soak in it a little longer. I know I'm not the only one. And you just want to have your little pity party. I think that's what's happening here in Jonah's heart. Yet he waits, and he's hoping that God will change his mind and destroy this, this group. And so he's waiting there. Remember, it was 40 days, so this might have been day 20, day 30. I mean, he's, he's being patient. <laughs> sitting up there waiting for fire to come down it says this it says then the lord god provided a leafy plant and made it grow over jonah to give him shade over his head to ease his comfort and jonah was very happy about that plant see the irony is he's so furious that god is not doing what he wants him to do that god is showing compassion towards these people yet he's finding comfort and happiness in this little plant When I read about, when I read through this, it makes me uh, remind myself of times where I just find these little pleasures and material things because it's a way to avoid what God is putting on my heart. That, That I don't have the spiritual imagination to think that maybe God is doing something around me, but I'd rather be distracted by something small, petty, and temporal. But then it says this, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered and the sun rose and, and God provided a scorching east wind think of all these things that God provided so far God provided the fish, God provided the storm, God provided this plant God provided the, the worm and now God's providing this heat you know, some scholars believe that, that Jonah was bald and the heat on his head was, was sunburned man I feel this guy's pain <laughs> right there was, no, uh, <laughs> there was no sunscreen back then I can understand his anger. So the sun blazed on Jonah's head so, he, so that he grew faint and he, and he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Once again, Jonah is just like, I mean, he, he, he's just depressed. He's, he's wanting to give up. He's just like, God, I just want to die. He's furious that God's not destroying his enemies. He's furious that this plant that was given him shade is no longer around. And I think that it's hard, and this is what I think our hearts turn into when things don't go the way we plan. when God doesn't operate the way we want, we start to tell God, God, you're making a mistake. (laughs) We would never say that out loud, but our hearts scream it sometimes when we go to God and we say, God, why does, what, what? This doesn't make any sense. God, you're making a mistake. He's saying, God, you made a mistake calling me here, doing this thing. Now, you know, he's just thinking all these terrible negative thoughts. God responds with another question. Remember, I, I said this, uh, that when God asks us questions, it's not that he doesn't know the answer, but he uses his question to reveal our hearts, right? We understand that about God. And so God says this, he says, is it right for you to be angry about this plant? And with, the, with, all, with, with, with everything in him, he turns to God, I think this is crazy, and he says, I, it is. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. God's showing so much mercy right now, isn't he? But the Lord said to him, he says, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Now, I'm going to, if you haven't read through this book, I'm going to, you need to brace yourself for this. Because the last verse is how it all ends. The last verse is it. This is it, verse 11. Entire book hinges on this. He says, God asks him this other question. He says, and should I have not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which, you are more th- which there are more than 120,000 who cannot tell their right hand from their left and so many animals. Right when you think this book cannot get any more strange and weird, it ends this way. I mean, that's, that's the end of this entire book. You know, you kind of want more. You kind of feel like it's just getting started, but it stops. It ends. It ends with this question. I don't know about you, but I like closure. And it really frustrates me for it to end this way. It ends not knowing Jonah's response to that question. Here's the thing. The word of God is like a mirror, isn't it? It's like a mirror. It works like a mirror. It's a mirror that reflects our hearts. And so every question that the Bible gives us, we ought to wrestle with those questions as well. And oftentimes when we think about this book of Jonah or the story of Jonah, we think only about the disobedience of Jonah and him having to spend a big time out in the belly of a fish. But I hope that through this study and through this series you learn that it's so much more than that, that that's just a little part of the story. See, there's a deeper message here. And that message is is, is God wanting to describe to us how far his mercy will go. See, the truth of the matter is, is that we were all like the Ninevites, weren't we? Yes, someone greater than Jonah came and went through great lengths to reach us. I mean, you see the parallel between Jonah spending three days in the belly of the fish to bring a message to people that seems far off. There's a parallel there. But we understand that one greater than Jonah came and his name is Christ Jesus. And he came not only to send us a message of redemption, but he came and also to provide a way of redemption. Yeah. His story is about God talking to his servants because I think it's important for us to also know that we're like Jonah as well. That we've been given this amazing grace, we've been given this, this mercy in our lives. We know and we've tasted to see that the Lord is good. God has done great things in our lives, and now God is asking us to go and send his message and to, send our, and to share our story with those that seem farthest from him. We're also Jonah, and I believe that really this whole book, everything boils down to this last question that he gives Jonah, and I want to rephrase that question, and I want to ask you today that that's a question that you need to ask yourself is this, is do I love God enough that I would go to my greatest enemy and I would look at them and I would tell them that God loves them just as much as he loves me. Could I do that? Will I do that? That's the question. And see, the problem is, is that us, just like Jonah, we can get caught up in in, in how the world divides us and how the world separates us and how the world puts us on this side or that side. You know, Jonah had a hard worldview because for him, he, world, he looked at the world as two camps, us and them, or should I say us versus them. It's my people and those people. It's the Israelites and the Assyrians. And he just could not bear to understand that God would send his grace and, his, and, 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 his, and compassion towards those people who he felt didn't deserve God's grace. I think we struggle sometimes in our own hearts. On who God can extend His grace to, and that's really the question. And God said, "Is why are you so? How? How? Why would you decide? Who gave you the right to decide who I can extend my grace to?" and sometimes when it's somebody who has crossed us who's offended us who, who 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 who's done some things towards us and we just can't get over sometimes we think okay i could i could i could let god extend grace but it's got to be on my terms they got to make things right aren't you aren't you glad that god doesn't wait for you to get your act together before he extends his grace to you yet we put that stipulation on other people and we say well they got to do all these things for me to even even get on that bridge to try to reconcile That's the message. That's what he's trying to get to. That's what Jonah couldn't wrap his head around. And that's the tension, if we're honest. That's the tension in this book. That's the tension when you think about God's grace. And, And here's the thing, friends. Sometimes we could accept that God will have grace for all people. Now sometimes we can even get to that part and we can say, you know what, I believe God is good, God God could extend mercy and grace and he can love everybody. I I could have believed that, I could accept that and I I could just be separate from that but God doesn't allow us to do that. The struggle is accepting the fact that he commands us to love like he loves. That's the tension, that's the struggle. We can believe God can do it but dare he ask us to do. You know, Jesus said something that was very controversial, very revolutionary when he said it 2,000 years ago, and I think in the year 2020 it's probably still controversial and still revolutionary, and he says this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. He says, have you heard that it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy? He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. What? Love my enemy? Love those that talk bad about me, that betray me, that have hurt me, that cause harm? Ah, I don't know, God. don't know if I can go that far. I'm willing to meet you somewhere, but that's not the place I want to go. That's a hard one. And let me tell you what it means. Loving your enemy means that you pray for them and that you desire their redemption. That's what that means. And I want to ask you, is it possible to pray to God and ask God to change that person's heart, but in the same time, with the same breath, you're cursing that person? Is it possible? You know, last week I said this, and I want to say it again, is that, is that Jonah... God wasn't after just his duty. God just wasn't uh, into just having him do something. God was wanting to get to his heart. And sometimes when we walk in obedience, our heart's not in it. We just do something out of obedience because we just feel like it's supposed to be the thing that we're supposed to do. But our heart's not in it. And that's what we see in Jonah's Jonah's thing. He obeyed. He did what he was doing, but his heart wasn't in it. You know, any of you who have kids and teenagers you kind of understand this concept a bit where you might tell your kids like hey do something and they're doing it out of obedience but their heart's not in it I could tell a mile away if I if I see a kid whose heart's in something that they're told to do by their parents or not now, one thing at our household is like every Saturday I like to rally the troops, you know, my household, and I make them clean the house, right? And they got to obey dad. Like I'm like, hey, Saturdays we're going to clean the house, make the house clean, start off the week. I mean, that's my plan. That's my agenda. And, I'm, and my kids, their hearts aren't in it. I don't know why. So they're like sweeping like this, or they're doing the bare minimum, you know, they're just doing, and their heart's not in. I don't know why. But there's been other times where Mom's away or something. She's on a retreat, or something, and I get them and I rally them together. And I say, "Hey guys, let's clean the house for Mom. Like when she gets home, like everything's gonna be nice and clean. She could just rest and it'll be just fun." Now we all pitch in, okay? Mom doesn't do all the cleaning, but I'm just saying, like we want to do something special. And I remember when I do that, man, my kids are dusting, they're doing the cracks. I mean, they're doing everything. Why? Because there's a difference between doing things out of obedience and doing things out of devotion, right? And when we do things out of obedience, we're like, we just don't want to get trouble, but when we do it out of devotion, we're doing it because we love the person that's asking us to do that, and we understand that. And so what God is doing in Jonah when he's saying, hey, send this message, go to these people, he does it out of obedience, but he's not doing it out of devotion for God. His heart is away from God. It's crazy, and it's this crazy thing and the tension in this whole story where he's a man of God, but his heart is the farthest from God. Even the Ninevites repent, but him, he just gets harder and harder. As we wrap up, where do we go from here? How do we land the plane in this moment? Because I think that there's a tension, and I like the tension sometimes. But I look at this, this, this time of our life and this time in our history and the time of the climate that we're in right now, where election is only a couple of weeks away, and we're feeling this tension. And, you know, I know that some of you guys, are you're thinking already, you're just like, you know, He's really taken a long road to get to a simple message, and that's just love people. <laughs> love my enemy. Yeah, you know, and some of you are thinking, like, I love everybody. I not have a problem with anybody. Yeah. I don't have any enemies. I mean, that's a hard word, right? You're like, who, who hates me that much? Or who do I hate? I mean, I don't hate anybody. So we're having this tension right now. But I want to ask you, is there, is there people that you just feel like, man, I just, I, I, I'm having a really hard time. With, their, with the stances they take, with, with their positions that they're in. I mean, like I said, there's this is a massive political climate right now that's just trying to divide, and we're even getting into that mindset of this camp of us versus them. And just because they don't support the political party that, we're, that we support, all of a sudden we're just like, oh, looking at them and say, oh, they're, they're, I don't know. I don't know if I could, you, you want to move away from them, you're trying to avoid them. I mean, if that's in your heart right now, then, then understand that there is something going on. There is a removal of how God sees it. Our opinion of somebody should only be one thing and that they have intimate, or infinite worth to God, that they are made in God's image. And no matter what lifestyle they have, no matter what ideology they have, philosophy they have, religion that they have, it doesn't matter. God sees them and he's pursuing them and he wants them to be redeemed back to his fold and his family. And we ought to pray that way. We ought to want that. That's what loving our enemies is. That's what it looks like in our world. And I want to ask you, how easy is it for us to criticize or are we able to get on our knees and pray for God to turn their heart, to soften their heart and in the process, work on our hearts? That's what God is calling us. And this is going to cost us something. But I want to tell you, this is the core of Christianity. Christianity. This is not something easy to do. It's not something that makes you soft. Jesus wants us to strain and to struggle and even suffer at times and sacrifice to love everyone. And if you think that this command of loving everyone is easy, then perhaps you never really tried. Because it's hard. I struggle at times. People have hurt me. <laughs> I know they've hurt you. It's real, and there's pain. It's not easy, but what do we do in those moments? Do we become bitter? Do we, do we hold it in? Do we allow it to just continue to make things toxic in our lives, or are we able to go to the throne room of grace and find mercy in time of need. Say, God, extend that mercy, not only to me, but into this person, into this relationship. God, I want there to be reconciliation. Maybe some of you guys, like, there might be some of you guys that might have this conflict, might have this issue, and maybe that person's not around. Maybe they've passed, or maybe you'll never see them again, yet it's still lingering in your heart. I want to pray today that you let the Lord uproot that right now. That you be released and you be free to love in this way. Maybe some of you guys, there's gonna be some hard processing this week and you're gonna have to make a call or make a text or write a letter. I wanna encourage you to do so and we're gonna pray for your heart that you'd have the right way to articulate yourself to be able to share what's going on and what God wants to do. But Jesus commands us to do this, to love one another the way he loved us and he was willing to do it so far to, to, to sacrifice to humble himself. There's nothing weak about that kind of love. It takes an incredible amount of strength and fortitude to love the way Jesus loved, but that's what he called us to do. And I just sense in my heart that as we're going into this new season here, it's like we got a we clean house. We got to make things right. We got to open our hearts even wider. So if you're watching online, maybe... Maybe it all begins with you just saying, God, I've never experienced the kind of love and the kind of mercy It's there for you. You just need to call out on the name, the only name that can save, and that's Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you need to say, God, forgive me. You know his, his grace will come and he will flood your heart. You'll receive by the mercy of God this new life in him. If you're here in, in, the, in person, will you stand to your feet? We're just gonna close. And I think for some of us, There might be an issue there might be a person maybe there's not but I want to pray that if there's not that you just let this word be sealed in your heart to when the time comes because trust me the time will come where this will be tested in your life will you be ready would you be prepared would you know how to respond with a soft heart but for some of us there is an issue there is a person there is a there is a conflict that you need to resolve and you just need to say God I need to pray for them, because you haven't. You haven't prayed for them, so that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray for, for these people, that person. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's a thing you just can't, you just, it's so hard for you right now in this climate to really love and show compassion towards them. Will you pray for them right now? This is exercising, praying for them, like Jesus calls us to. Father, I just lift up my friends today, God. You know every need in the house. You know every need online, God. You're going to meet us right where we're at. You're the God that goes all the way to us, God. You don't let us try to figure this out in the dark, but you're a God who illuminates the path, shows us what we ought to do. And right now, I believe that your voice is loud and clear in every heart today. Let us not be like Jonah and run from this message, but let us run and embrace, Lord God, and, and surrender our will to you right now. Let us be honest with you right now. Say, God, this is hard. This is probably the hardest thing I could do. Some of you have been holding on to some things really long, and I pray, God, right now, whoever's been holding on for years, Lord God, and they just don't know how to live without that resentment or that bitterness or that unforgiveness, Lord, I pray right now that just you sense your love right now. Consume them in such a way. Remind them of the great love you showed them and how they can now in turn show it to someone else. Let them release it, Lord. Let them trust you with it. Let them trust you with their heart right now. You're going to heal, you're going to restore, and you're going to redeem because that's the God that you are. We thank you Lord for this moment. Let us walk away as free people God because of your word by your spirit. We love you God in Jesus name. Amen. 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 God is so good and just yeah all the time. And let's continue to allow the Lord to kind of work through our hearts. We love you guys. We're so thankful for you, whether you're watching online or here in person. We are together. We are better together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and greet somebody on your way out. And we're so glad that you are with us today. Love to see you next week. God bless.